This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate you. And we also appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. If you already don't do that, please do that for us. Wherever you get your audio, just search Silver and Black Today. Turn on the auto download there after you hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a show anytime. We got some great stuff coming up this week and next week going into draft week. Hold on to your hats. We're going to have some great guests. We'll get to that in a second. But as always, um, my broadcast partner along with me on this journey is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. You can follow me at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. And Mo, we're almost done with all this prognostication all the guesses, all the rumors, and we're going to go through some of those today. But I, for one, my friend, am getting very excited that this thing is almost upon us so we can get past all the guessing games and get to the reality. So what do we got? We got nine days left into the draft to you, to you have to uh, read these stupid mock drafts that are they're going to tell you where players are going to, where people think players are going to go. Because we're always wrong. Has there ever been a perfect mock draft ever? I don't think so. <laughs> so if, if you're stuck on this player is not going to be available in this spot, you might as well move off of that because every draft year there are surprises. But like you said, I'm just ready for the real deal and the results. Absolutely. And obviously a lot happening with the Raiders. We've talked about over the last few weeks the lack of excitement or some of the excitement. I've had some of our listeners and viewers, for those of you watching our, the, the show on YouTube, who shared with us this past week that, hey, actually, I am excited. Now, the overall feeling isn't one of excitement. We've talked about that for the last couple of weeks and the reasons for that are why. But certainly there is the feeling out there, okay, let's get this over with. And also, for those of you skeptical about Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, you'll either have your feelings validated or they'll surprise you and you'll feel better about where the team is going. I think that's a big part of the psychology, Mo, for Raider Nation. You know how this works, though. Every draft year, there's a group of fans <clears throat> that will talk themselves into anything the regime does. <laughs> and yes. there are a group of fans that will question anything that the regime does. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. I usually um, I'm usually more active during draft night this year. I'm going to be doing the live show at Bleach Report. I'm sure I think you're you're going to be on with uh, doing our part with Odyssey. So. Yes. Fans will have to choose like like parents choose between their two <laughs> kids. Who are they going to watch on draft night? You're going to watch yeah. me on Bleach Report. You're going to watch Scott. I, we're both going to have great shows. So, you know, wherever you land, you can watch both of us. You can check in. You can switch back and forth. You can have two screens up because I'll be on the app. Scott, I'm sure, will be online. You can get them. Yep. So 
It's going to be a fun time. Well, yeah, and and for our show with Odyssey, which we're going to uh, later in the week give you guys details as well, I'll be in just when the Raiders make their pick. So it's going to be a, a guest spot for a few minutes to react to that. So unlike Mo, who will be covering the whole first round, if you're just focused on the Raider stuff, you can drop in on us as well, too. So you can get it in stereo. You know, you put your phone, you put your computer. Yes, you yes. can see us both a yes. pseudo silver and black today just from two different outlets <laughs> at the same time. So anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. But, but Mo, the other thing, too, and we talk about this all the time, especially during the offseason, whenever a big free agent or a big player out there wants to change teams, uh, of course, the Raiders fans, especially if it's a position of need, jump on it. We saw a couple reports, uh, Silver and Black Pride, I think, wrote one up and a couple other folks about Buda Baker. Buda Baker, the safety, talented safety with the Arizona Cardinals, has asked for a trade. Now, the Raiders have a need at safety. There's no question about it. This draft is not a good safety draft. Buda Baker is one of the best out there. He's only 27 years old. If you were to go get him, you'd have time. But the downside is Dude wants a new contract. So guess what? You're going to have to pay the man. And if you're going to have to pay the man, what worries me there, Mo, I would love to see Buda Baker in the Raiders' backfield. I just don't think it would be prudent at this time with the needs they have uh, across the board and what it would cost to get him. Now, I will say that someone did correct me on on Twitter and and basically – the tweet reads initially when you read Adam Schefter's tweet about Buddha Baker, it reads mm-hmm. as though as though he wants a new contract and that's why he's unhappy with the Cardinals. But if you reread the tweet, and I guess it's I don't want to call it semantics, but d- depending on how you interpret it, it could mean that if he's unhappy with the Cardinals and he'll stay with the Cardinals if they make him the highest paid safety, but if he goes elsewhere, he may not want to be the highest paid safety. Mm-hmm. But what I will say to that, my answer, my response to that gentleman on Twitter was. Even if he does go to a new team that's a contender, he's probably going to want a new deal because right now he's seventh in annual salary among safeties and he's a two-time All-Pro. So I would imagine that he's going to want his either, I wouldn't say top of the market, maybe not the highest paid safety, but he's going to want a pay raise at seven, at the seventh highest, highest paid safety in the league right now. So I, I would think that he's going to want $16 million or more. He's about $14.2 million or somewhere around that. He's under $15 million, but he's going to probably want to go over that $15 million mark. He's probably going to be one of the top one of the top five paid safeties in the league, similar to how Devin White wants 18 to $20 million mm-hmm. on his new contract. And it was funny because, not to ramble, but Scott, Remember we talked about Devin White on the last show and Raiders fans are like, oh, Mo, you're crazy for not wanting Devin White. And once they saw that he wanted 18 to 20 million, a lot of people like, oh, I'm not interested anymore. And this is my point about acquiring players by a trade. It's not as simple as, oh, he he would be the best player at the position if we acquire him. You have to look at the money. You have to look at the market value. Yes. And and let's put aside the fact of what you brought up last show about Devin White, which is he's an off-ball linebacker. He's not going to help you. Uh, again, so so from that perspective, you're paying all that money for a limited uh, guy who's not going to to really fill a gap for you all the way around. So so there's that too. But the Buda Baker thing, we understand, and and you get that now. If there's a way for them to swing it where it doesn't, to, and and I think a lot of Raider fans are kind of upset that they're not making these big splashes. And if you saw. Uh, our good friend Sashi had talked about, well, this and that. I think he'd said something about not going after the lukewarm free agency, and we went back and forth joking with each other. But my thought was, you know, folks complain about 
not signing these big name free agents or going out and trading for big name players. And then when they don't work out or they limit you from a financial standpoint to go out to get the rest of what you need, then fans aren't happy. So you got to look at it both ways. And as a fan, I understand the feeling, but remember, think through all of the intangibles and all the other things that are connected to it. If you can't just go get a guy because you need somebody there. You have to look at it from a big picture standpoint. And I want to say not all fans are are in Madden mode. There are some there are some fans <laughs> too that understand that if you pay one player this amount of money and, and of course a top of the market deal, it limits you from doing other things. And the Raiders at this point, the way Dave Ziggers, and I said this at least 10, 15 times, the way Dave Ziggler has approached this offseason. He's not interested in paying guys big money. Even Jimmy, right. people say, well, what about Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo has an incentive contract, and his contract relative to the quarterback position is moderate. It's not top of the market. They're not paying Jimmy Garoppolo $40 million. Right. If you look at the contracts the Raiders have doled out this offseason, none of those contracts are huge deals. It's a bunch of contracts that are either one-year one year deals, two, one to $2 million, $3 million here, there. If this was last offseason when they were acquiring Devonta Adams and, and Chandler Jones and paying those guys big money, then I would say it's a possibility. But this year it's clear they're putting their eggs into the draft. Absolutely. And that makes the draft even that more important, important. as we talk about it. It's important mm -hmm. anyway. We've been talking about it for weeks here on Silver and Black today. And so we'll continue that. Mo, before we cut to the break, a couple things um, I want to talk about, which is number one, our good friend Matt Johnson over at Sports Not wrote a mock draft. And I've seen this actually a couple other places and a lot of chatter around the Raiders being rumored to move up to number two in the draft, right? We talked about there's only two quarterbacks that they like, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt's mock draft had them moving up at a pretty significant price. This is what he said. They trade the seventh and 38th pick overall and a first and a second in 2024 to the Texans for the second and the 188th overall pick. So that means the Raiders would be all in on CJ Stroud. I hear this a lot. I think that um, the possibility remains. I think for me, my gut tells me it's diminishing uh, unless they can get value out of it. And CJ Stroud too. I want to shout out to, to Michael Lombardi, our friend over at the GM shuffle who talked about CJ Stroud and this is something interesting because you and I both were on the same page. We felt he was QB1 in this draft, right? Now, C.J. Stroud, though, as Lombardi said, he's hard to coach. And that's not a negative. He said that he's just a different guy. He takes a different approach. Then you have to coach other quarterbacks, other players. And with my questions around Josh McDaniels, now I know Josh McDaniels developed quarterbacks and helped with quarterbacks when he was in New England, but that kind of concerns me, too, because you look at the player, what his needs will be. He might be a little more of a high-need coach guy, and I don't know if if Josh McDaniels is good or bad for that. Okay, I, I'll say this, and Mike Labar has been on our show, so mm -hmm. he obviously has a wealth of knowledge. I don't want to dispute what he sees in a player, a prospect, or what he's heard, or you know his information. But what I will say is that at this point in the draft cycle, you're going to hear all sorts of stuff about prospects. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying take everything with a grain of salt, but there was a conflicting report that said CJ Stroud is coachable, you know, like yeah. the day after Mike Lombardi had, um, had his comments. So it's for me, personally speaking, Mike Lombardi's comments aside, any other report aside, 
if CJ Stroud is there at two and I'm able to trade up for him and it's not an exorbitant price. Now, that was a steep price that Matt Johnson had in his mock draft. But if you feel like CJ Stroud could be a, your franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years, you do the deal because we've talked about this. The quarterback position is so valuable that it could change the trajectory of your franchise if you get the right quarterback. If you get the right defensive tackle, it doesn't necessarily change your, the trajectory of your franchise. J.J. Right. Watt will be known as one of the best defensive linemen in NFL history, multi-time defensive player of the year. How many how many titles did the Texans win with him? You know what I'm saying? This, so, so this is what I'm sure. saying. Even if you get a generational talent on your defensive line, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win a bunch of playoff games. Even Aaron Donald. The Rams had a good team around Aaron Donald. But the Rams didn't get over the hump until they traded for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So you have to get the quarterback position right above all else. You can get all these defensive linemen, a, a good corner, a good linebacker. But those things don't move the, move the needle as much as a quarterback. You know this. You bet, Scott, and I bet. When yep. the lines move, usually what happens is because there's a quarterback change, there's a quarterback sitting. This year when the Raiders sat Derek Carr, the line moved, I believe, three points in that 49ers game. If the Raiders had sat Max Crosby, that line would may, would, wouldn't even move, maybe a half a point. So the guys in Vegas, the guys in the bookies are telling the bookies are telling you the quarterback position is the ultimate value position, and that's the position you have to get right because it can change everything. Absolutely, and it'll be really interesting, Mo, if this scenario, just say, or a scenario similar to the Raiders trading up with Houston to take a quarterback, i.e., C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Um, it looks like it'll be C.J. Stroud. That'll be there at two. We'll see. Uh, it would be interesting to see the the reaction of Raider Nation because, um, you know, again, a bold move to move up to number two to get your guy that you think is going to be your franchise quarterback. But then the need on defense, it, it would be another polarizing pick. No matter what they do, I think it's going to be polarizing until this team can turn it around and start proving people wrong by winning. And therein lies the problem is that on one hand, you get your quarterback, and I and I get the other side saying you should go mm -hmm. defense and not trade the farm for CJ Stroud because CJ Stroud is probably not going to play unless Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. So the reason you got Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> here is to take the pressure off of having to take the quarterback early in the draft. So I understand that that side of the coin saying don't trade the farm for CJ Stroud. He's probably not going to play. He's not probably not going to start week one, and you're still going to need a defense around him. So I get that. But if you feel that strongly about a quarterback, this is my bottom line. This is my philosophy. If you feel that strongly about a quarterback, you get the quarterback. Yep, I agree. All right, we're going to step aside for our first break here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk Josh Jacobs. What's the status of a new contract for Josh Jacobs? Could it be a distraction heading into the next season? We'll talk about that. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today, talking all things Las Vegas Raiders football. I am Scott Branson, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Follow us both on Twitter. I am at LV Gully. He is Mo, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N on Twitter, Mo Moten on Twitter. The show is SNB Today. Shout out to our YouTube audience. Thank you guys for being with the, with us. By the way, a couple people in the YouTube audience uh, didn't like my hat last show, Mo. What was wrong with your hat? I don't know. One, somebody said it was too small for my head. I do have a big head, but that's not. That's supposed to fit that. That's the kind of hat it is. Uh, and then number two, duh, it was no comment. He's like, you need to give her the hat. I'm like, nope. <laughs> so funny. Anyway. So I'll I have to go back and look at the show and look at the hat. I, I don't know. Hey, but everybody's got their opinion and we welcome them here, even if we disagree. So thank you guys for that as well. Uh, Mo, let's jump into this story that came out that we saw Vinny Bonsignor this past week in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Our friend who covers the Raiders uh, for the newspaper in Las Vegas talked about the Raiders and Josh Jacobs really not any closer to and really not actively pursuing contract negotiations. Uh, Vinny reported that I didn't think it was anything to be concerned about, nor did I think it was a big deal because as he said in the piece in the RJ, Hey, they're focused on the draft, duh, as they should be. But here's my question. We start off with number one, um, if they aren't talking contract because of this, the draft, no big deal uh, because of the situation and, and what's going on with this team and so many unanswered questions between now and, and and training camp really between your draft picks, how you negotiate with them, who you sign, depending who you sign. If you move up to the number two pick and you got to sign a big quarterback, like we talked about, yes, they're on the rookie deal, but you still have money you got to spend there on bo- on bonus signing bonus and all that stuff. So there's a lot of questions out there. To me, the Raiders would be practicing financial malpractice if they went and get a big uh, contract to a running back at this point. As much as I like Josh Jacobs, as much as I'd like to see him in the silver and black for the next handful of years, I think they're just being prudent. Yeah, two things, two comments here, and I'll start with the shorter, more simpler one. And it's what you basically what you said is, what's the rush? The Raiders right. have until July 15th to sign, July 17th to sign Josh Jacobs to a multi-year deal that goes for all franchise type players. The, the deadline is always, you know, mid-July. So they have time. It, it, it's not like if they don't do it before the draft, the deal is not going to get done. And you also have to understand with the unpredictable nature of the draft, who knows? The Raiders may swing a trade for a player who wants more money. Who knows? Or they may acquire someone. So you want to keep your you, – you don't want to tie up money to a, a, you know, a running back who, again, the running back position, very low on the market value uh, legisly, on a ledge because you yeah. have to understand, as I said, off-ball linebackers – safeties, running backs, the reason why their franchise tax are so low compared to the other positions is because market value is low. So I've written pieces over the past two weeks about unhappy running backs. Austin Eckler wanted a pay raise or a new contract. The Chargers cut off negotiations with him. So Quan Barkley has not signed his franchise tag. He wants a new deal. He's unhappy. 
the top running back in free agency, Miles Sanders, signed for a deal that was less than $7 million per year, and he's coming off his most productive season mm-hmm. with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I tweeted this to Matt Holder, who wrote the piece over at Silver and Black Pride about Josh Jacobs, that running backs are getting the worst of it off se- this offseason. They're just Absolutely. not getting paid big dollars, and you're seeing it. Josh Jacobs won the rushing title. Franchise tax. Juan Barkley coming off a productive year. He was the focal point of that Giants offense that surprised a lot of people this past season. Franchise tag. He's unhappy. Austin Eckler has had the most touchdowns of any player in the league over the last two years. 38 touchdowns. <laughs> he can't even get the charge to talk to him. Right. So that tells you where the market value for the running backs are. And so I'm not surprised that the Rays have stalled or cut off talks with Josh Jacobs for now until after the draft, possibly. Mm-hmm. What interests me, too, about this situation with the running backs, Mo, is this, is I see people, fans, I see pundits, I see journalists talking about, like, for example, the Austin Eckler situation and how unfair it is and how this, and and it blows my mind because it's like, guys, are you not paying attention to the market? You just, you just laid it all out, Mo. You just laid it out perfectly. And it's sort of like if I start talking about the stock market and let's say there's a sector, let's say it's automobile makers and their stock is down because people just don't see a lot of return on it or whatever it may be. But man, I'll tell you what, Tesla's doing great and all these other car companies putting out all this great product. How dare you not invest in them? It's the same thing. I know we're talking about people, so don't get me wrong, especially from a fan perspective. These are people you get to know, you get to care about. Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I mean, Raider fans love Josh Jacobs. Everybody does. But you look at it that you can't look at it that way in the business side of things. These players are an investment. They are a product. And you look at the market for what's happening right now. I mean, we saw what happened with Barkley in New York. We saw what happened with Eckler. Now we're seeing what happened with Josh Jacobs. It's just not their time. And so if I am, for example, Josh Jacobs, maybe I'm okay playing under the tag, actually, if you think about it, right? From a long-term perspective, the, the, the need for running backs, the market may change in a year or two. Now, you could also get injured and your career could be over. Who knows? But to me... The market's not going to change, and you can't get upset because that's what the market is. Yeah, I see it from a player perspective. You're trying to get your money and some long-term sure. security as, as quick as you can, so I get it pushing for a new deal. But from a business perspective, you just laid it out too that I, I get it from a market perspective. You have to look at the market. As I said in the first segment, it's not as easy as just signing good players. You have to look at value. Is he is not is he worth? Because I don't want to put a value on a person per se. But is his production at his position worth right. this contract? I, I'll even add a couple more names. There are, there are trade rumors swirling around Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Now, mm. if you know Dalvin Cook is a multi-time Pro Bowl player, over 1,000 yards in multiple seasons, Derrick Henry has been the soul of the Tennessee Titans offense, and there are rumors swirling around him about he could be moved on draft day. Joe Mixon is not a lock to be a starter in, with the Cincinnati Bengals in your hometown. There are rumors that he could be let go. So, it's all about value, and we all know the running back position is so much turnover there. As you said, you can have a great year, win the rushing title one year, get hurt, and have 800 yards the next year, and teams are just not willing to pay for that type of production because they can get a running back in the third or fourth round and get similar or more right. production out of that player. So, again, it boils down to the value and the market value of that position. Yes, and everybody's looking at that ledger, like you said, and they're looking at – where they're going to spend their money. They got to spend it at quarterback. They got to spend it in the trenches, right? We saw what Philadelphia did there. And so what they're going to do is that's, that's, that's what dictates decisions. So with the Josh Jacobs situation, I I mean, I think the the biggest and most salient point you made is what's the hurry. There is no hurry. They have till July. 
we'll see what they do. If they don't come to an agreement on a new contract, let's say Mo, by the by the time that that uh, the camp rolls around uh, and then and and the new season rolls around, um, is there any chance that Josh Jacobs situation becomes a distraction for this team? I don't think Josh Jacobs is the kind of guy that would be that way, uh, but it could be in the back of his mind. I mean, he if he's on a tag year, clearly the better he plays, the better for him. So he's got lots of motivation to stay focused. <clears throat> to stay on the field, to stay a top performer. But is there any chance this becomes a distraction? I'll say yes, but I would I don't want to say that in the sense that Josh Jacobs becomes a problem. I don't want to make no, it seem like Josh Jacobs that's not, that's not what we're talking cause about. friction. Right. Right. So I I'll say that and I'll connect this to the Buddha Baker conversation we had in the first segment. Remember what Josh Jacobs said during, I believe it was the Super Bowl week. He said if you're building a team around me, I'm okay with the franchise tag. You're spending money on other guys. I get it. You know, you can only spread so much cap space and money around. But he said, if you're paying me to be the hero, I want to be paid like the hero. Basically. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing. But basically he said, yeah. if you don't have a lot around me, then you better pay me some money to, to carry the load here. So the Raiders did spend money on Jacoby Myers. We'll see what they do in a draft. Maybe they add an offensive lineman. But I think Josh Jacobs is going to look around and say, where is this team headed? And that's why I connected to Buda Baker because I think Buda Baker is just unhappy where the Cardinals are because the Cardinals mm-hmm. are a sinking ship. Let's be honest. Yep. Torn ACL for Kyler Murray, new regime coming in. He's looking around saying, I want to be on a contender. And if I'm going to play on a bad football team, you guys are going to have to pay me more. And mm-hmm. I think this is what Josh Jacobs is going to have to weigh in his mind. If he feels like the Raiders can compete in 2023, I think he'll be fine with the franchise type for a year. But if he feels like the Raiders are going nowhere and they're not going to be competitive, He's going to say, you got to pay me extra money and give me some financial security. And I understand that. Yes. And I agree. I think what it'll depend a little bit. We'll see what happens with the draft, what they're able to do and who else they're able to sign and where this roster, because they have some time between now and July to kind of form that roster. Right. And if I'm Josh Jacobs, I'm to to what he said exactly in your words. If you're going to if I'm going to be the hero, if it's going to fall on my back to carry that offense, for example, him, you got to pay me. So I totally get that. And I think that that is a fair position. So we'll have to wait and see. But the fact that they're not talking good, the front office should be focused on the draft because they need to nail it uh, in this draft to get this team turned around, in my view. Yeah, it's definitely it's just definitely too too early to freak out about that. We're we're about what three months away from the deadline. There's so yep. much time left. <clears throat> there is a lot of time. All right. Speaking of time, we're gonna step aside real quick for a break. When we come back, Mo and I are gonna get into some more stuff, some NFL stuff, some a Raider anniversary that we will celebrate, a pretty remarkable anniversary that comes this time a year around the draft. And we'll talk about that when we come back as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's the final stretch. Silver and black today on this Tuesday. Yes, just a week and two days, nine days until the NFL draft when we'll see your Las Vegas Raiders make their move. Thanks for listening to us or watching us, whichever you're doing. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, do us a favor. Subscribe wherever you get your audio. Hit on the auto download as well. So every time a new show hits, you will be notified. And on YouTube, hit subscription and then hit on the notifications bell so you know when there is a new video. Uh, And so that's all we ask of you. That's all we ask of you to do that. Listen, be part of the discussion. And of course, the discussion here is led by my my co-partner here, my 
partner in crime, as I call him. That is Mo Moten, national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can catch his work up on Bleacher Report. Of course, Mo, you just had another live session yesterday, right? Just had another last session, so you want the replay on that. Of course, it's obviously talking about Raiders draft topics and who they should draft, who they should avoid. So if you if you want to catch the replay on that and you didn't see it live, it's on the Bleacher Report app. If you're in the Raiders community, if we, all you have to do is tap the Raiders logo. You know what it looks like, obviously. Uh, the video will pop up at the top of the feed. That's right. It's Midtown Mo, so you got to check it out. So. <laughs> Make sure you do that as well as following him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-U-N. I'm at LV Goalie. Okay, Mo, listen, a couple of things that we want to just go around the NFL. Uh, first, I'm going to start with a big Raider anniversary. 23 years ago this past week, Al Davis did the unthinkable. He selected a kicker in the first round 23 drafts ago. Sebastian Janikowski. Now, it ended up working out for the Raiders overall. It was a hell of a kicker. Beloved uh, former player and a beloved member of Raider Nation, no question about it. But Al Davis, the maverick himself, takes a kicker in the first round. And since he's done that, no one else has. Amazing anniversary for Seabass, as they call him in Raider Nation. But uh, I remember when it happened all those years ago, Mo. I know you were probably uh, an eighth grader by that point. Yes. But um, but you look back at it and you and you look at it under today's lens and you think, holy crap, who would take a kicker in the first round, no matter how good they are? Uh, but Al Davis did because Al Davis did what he thought was right and what he wanted to do. Hey, they got a Pro Bowl year out of Janikowski, right? They sure and did. So, and, so, and, and some fans can tell you some legendary stories they got out of, out of it. So I guess that's <laughs> worth it, right? But Absolutely. Can you, can you imagine the Raiders taking a kicker in the first round? I mean, I know that I understand they, they're set at the position right now. But can you yeah. imagine if the Raiders needed a kicker and, and Dave Ziegler and Josh Daniels took a kicker at seventh overall? Now, I know Janikowski was 17th, but that's still. Yeah, 17th. Like the fact that he went in the first round. Yeah. And then went in the middle of the first round. It wasn't like the last pick in the first round. It was the yeah. middle of the first round. If that happened today, there would be <laughs> riots in the streets of Vegas, Oakland, Los, and Los Angeles. Yes. They'd be going nuts. We need, we need <laughs> cornerbacks. Why are you taking a kicker? Well, I know. Like you said, they have kickers right now. They're yeah, perfect they're in that fine. situation right now. But it really is remarkable to think of it. Think of it. And again, he went on to be a great Raider. Don't get me wrong. But still, the value of the kicker, I know you could roll out how many points he scored, all that stuff, but if you look at the history of the team during that time frame, obviously they needed more help in other areas to, to be a champion, and they didn't ever get it. So just a really interesting case study. I think somebody should write a book about that, like just the whole thing, how it happened, then after it happened, what it did to the franchise. I mean, there's so many angles with that story. The funny thing is that the following year they they went to the AFC Championship game. They did. <laughs> so it didn't set them back in in a short term sense. Not in the they short went term. To the playoffs, the yes. next three consecutive years. So yeah, I, I guess in a sense, not a, a wild move back then. What twenty three years ago? But yeah. now you would be running out of the building the minute. Yeah, that yeah. Came. And to your point about the playoff seasons after, look, they were on the cusp, and Al Davis figured, hey, we can't make kicks. If we can make kicks, how many games do we win? I'm sure he did it. I'm sure he did the math, and his scouting department said, hey, if we would have had a kicker who didn't miss all these field goals, we would have done this, this, and that. So remarkable, remarkable story 
And I just wanted to bring that up since that was the anniversary. And I know a lot of folks out there who listen to the show love Seabass. So we wanted oh. to give him yeah, uh, uh, his due. He's on one the of the d- beloved Raiders of all time. Absolutely. And you can understand why. Uh, all right. Mo, around the NFL, the sale of the Washington Commanders. It looks like that's happen, happening. Uh, apparently, the price is coming in lower than the NFL owners want. I know everybody out there is crying for the NFL owners who might get a couple billion dollars less than they anticipated. But um, I think the sale of the Commanders, Daniel Snyder and, and his reputation, of course, we have all of the incidents and the investigations going around the commanders in the front office with harassment and all sorts of nasty, nasty things. Of course, the Raiders were connected to that investigation. That's how John Gruden lost his job. But uh, the sale of the commanders is good for the NFL. We don't have exactly all the information on the new ownership group, but this is something good for football and I think good for that organization finally and for those fans. People have been trying to flush Daniel Snyder down the toilet for years now because of what's been going on with the commanders and what's been going on in the front office there and all the stories that have come out of that organization so i guess it's a it's a fresh start and and i think the league would want that the other thing i want to note before we got on there's there supposedly might be a bit of a holdup because another billionaire brian davis i believe his name is he's a dc native he'll be the first black owner to have a team and he's he's mm-hmm. actually had a seven million dollar cash offer so it could be a snagging uh, Josh Harris. I know is involved in the initial offer of six, about six billion, and Magic Johnson is also in that group. But there seems to be some competition there, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's 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 why I kind of left it open ended, and I appreciate that. I think I think that we there there's people who want in, right? The NFL Owners Club is as an exclusive as a group as there is in the world, really. If you think about it, thirty two people, thirty two ownership groups, uh, and all individuals, with the exception of the Packers, of course. But if you look at that and and the opportunity and the issues involved in Washington, to, to your point about minority ownership, the NFL does not have an African-American owner. There is none. And so I know that there's been talk of this, and you mentioned some names there, and I think you know Magic Johnson, to, to your point, being involved there. Uh, so we'll see how this goes and and how it ends up. But but clearly, everybody's ready to get past Daniel Snyder. And Daniel Snyder, don't cry for that guy, because uh, remember, I think he bought the team for four hundred million dollars, and he's going to sell it for what six was it six billion? I can't remember the number, but um, he's going to make a killing on it. So yes, he's going to go away, and people can feel good about that. Daniel Snyder's out of the league. But the guy's going to make a huge investment return for his money. Of course. And the other thing that I want to connect to this, and it has to do with the draft, is Daniel Snyder was not kind of. He was a hands-on owner. If you remember, he was yes. involved in the picking of the late, now uh, who passed away, Dwayne Haskins, who passed away tragically. He was involved in, in the Washington football team making that pick. Yep. So with him out of the picture, I wonder, does this change anything about direction of the team and draft plans and stuff like that because he's one of those owners who will meddle and say i i want that guy now the commanders have been touting sam howell as their starting quarterback i don't believe that for a second they did no. bring, they did bring in some competition jacoby Brissett is over there now too mm-hmm. so he's a he's a backup quarterback who's had some starting experience so they have a little bit of a competition but i'm wondering if with dan Snow, daniel snyder out of the picture what does that mean for Commanders as a football team? And they're one of the teams that are in on, on your guy, Hendon Hooker. And they're, they're, yes. I believe he had a visit with them recently. So that's going to be interesting to see where Hendon Hooker, the wild card of this quarterback class, ends up. Yeah. And and interesting, too, Mo, is the sale. I mean, obviously, the sale's not going to be done in nine days. 
Right. So technically he owns the team until the sale closes. So he mm -hmm. will be in charge of the draft. If I'm the owner buying the team, knowing that, oof, I don't know how you handle that. Because if I'm the new owner, I don't technically own it yet. But so does the NFL step? I don't know how they do. I think Daniel Snyder can do whatever he want. We've seen reports that he's going to be vindictive and he might just let the team go to heck. I don't know, <laughs> but it's crazy to think about that because when you're in that kind of no man's land of a sale and you got a draft right in the center of it, interesting to see how they'll handle it. I, I you know, knowing, I don't know any billionaires, you know, but <laughs> you I, I would guess that billionaires don't go out quietly. They, they usually yeah. like to have their way. So they're going to, I would assume that he's going to go out kicking and screaming. <laughs> of course. Well, he's a big baby anyway. Everybody knows this, so we'll see. Uh, Mo, before we cut out of here for the day, because I know the next two shows are going to be chock full of incredible goodness, including on Thursday. Thursday, Brian Baldinger. Baldy will be back with us for our pre-draft lookout, and then I'll be on with uh, with Baldy on draft night. That's who's going to be co-hosting the national show for Odyssey, which I will nice. uh, talk about after the Raiders pick at seven or wherever they pick. But we're going to get on with him and ask him a bunch of questions about the draft and how it's shaping up. Um, I'm, you know, the last show we did with him was so so telling and interesting, and, and he brought forward his knowledge. It'll be really good. I know. I want to know what his gut is telling him about this Raiders team and what he's hearing and uh, how it might shape that top of the draft because the Raiders could reshape the draft. If they trade up to number two, it would. It would change things around significantly for some teams. Remember, there's four or five teams in this first round that could use a quarterback. Uh, and so if that's the case and the Raiders move up to number two, there's teams behind them that will be scrambling to either think make Anthony Richardson a number one pick, believe it or not, in my book. Number two, Will Levis could suddenly find more value because the other two guys are gone. And number three, you have Hendon Hooker, who even some people say, despite the knee injury, he could be into the first round, the bottom of the first round at least. So it's going to be interesting to talk to Baldy and get his opinion on how this thing could be upended if the Raiders make a move at the top. If I had to take a guess, based on what he talked about with us last time, he talked a lot. He spent a lot of time on the defense, and he also mm -hmm. liked Jermaine Illuminar, and I also like Jermaine Illuminar. A lot of Raiders fans know that. But um, I think he's going to say the Raiders have to get the best defensive player available on the board, regardless of position, because they they need defensive tackle, obviously. They need a linebacker, obviously. There are no linebackers worth the seventh pick, though. And they need cornerbacks. And, I, and that's why I've been on record. I've been on Twitter. I've been on a Bleach Report Live show saying, the Raiders need to take the best. If they're not going to take a quarterback, they need to take the best cornerback available, whether that's mm -hmm. Devin Weatherspoon, Christian Gonzalez on their board, Joey Porter Jr. But I think he's going to say the Raiders go defense. Now, he may surprise us and say, well, if Anthony Richardson's available, I know you're going to cringe at this, but I'm wondering <laughs> if I'll ask him directly. I'll say if Anthony Richardson is available, do you take him at seven? And do you think he's worth a top 10 pick? Because I know we disagree heavily on this one. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely ask him that. I also want to get his view on Jalen Carter, because whether or not the Raiders select Jalen Carter or not, I know we talked about him on the last show, but I'd like to hear his point of view on it, because, again, the consistent noise I'm hearing from about Jalen Carter is when he plays, there's nobody better, but he doesn't necessarily play all the plays. And if that's the case, uh, how much of a risk is an NFL team going to take? So I'm really focused on getting his take on that and and a little more too around some offensive line prospects right Mo we haven't talked a ton of that 
on the show here. We talked about a few, but the Raiders, like you said, Jermaine Illuminor are doing a great job, but they still need depth. They need some they need some youth at that position too that they can bring in, I think, in addition to mm. seeing if there's somebody that they can bring in as a veteran too, perhaps, uh, between now and July. But uh, those, I mean, he knows those positions obviously well. He covers it. He played it. So I want to see what his view is on the trenches. Cause I agree with you. I think the Raiders not only need to get that cornerback, but they got to get defensive tackle. They need help in the middle and they need help on the offensive line as well. I mean, look at, I, I'm not saying Devin was one of Christian Gonzalez is going to be as good as sauce Garner, but look at what getting a top cornerback did for that jets defense. Now Amazing. I know they made some other changes, but sauce Gardner was basically an all pro defensive rookie of the year. You get a top cornerback to show up back in your defense. Now I know a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter if you don't have a pass rush, but, Let's be honest, the Raiders do have Max Crosby. I know they need more than that, mm-hmm. but we'll see what Chandler Jones is in 2023. They resigned Tillery, who's more of a penetrating defensive tackle. If you can if you don't have a player of value at defensive tackle or or edge that you can that's worth the seventh overall pick, you get the best cornerback and shove back into your defense. Absolutely. It's gonna be fascinating. We can't wait to have Baldy on again on Thursday. So make sure you uh, download the show. Make sure you join us on Thursday. And then next week, right before the draft on Tuesday, uh, we talked about Matt Holder and his piece on Josh Jacobs. He's going to be on the show with us. He is bleachery on the Bleacher Report uh, draft. What do you call it? Draft team? What do you want to call team. it? Scouting draft team. team. Yeah. Scouting yeah. team. That's right. Scouting yeah. team. So Matt will be with us. He's a Raider fan too. So not only will he give us the black and white uh, uh, unbiased opinion, but then he'll also throw in sort of his, uh, hey, I'm a Raider fan. Here's what I'd like to see them do. So we're going to get kind of best of both worlds, right, Mo? Definitely the best of both worlds. We we actually at Bleach Report have have this banter going on between uh, among <laughs> me, Matt Holder, and Brett Sobleski. Brett Sobleski actually thinks that Anthony Richardson is worth numbers, the you know a top pick, but he also thinks that the Raiders are going to draft Will Levis. Me and Matt are kind of looking I'm well, Matt may be lukewarm on Will Levis. I'm saying no, I don't want Will Levis. I'd rather have Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. So we'll have some fun with that when Matt is on with us next week. Yeah, I said Levis a long time ago, if you remember. I kind of said, ah, 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 and and it would not shock me. I'm I'm less negative than you are on Will Levis. I'm probably more mm-hmm. in the boat as those guys, kind of just lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could see it happening. I, I think Raider Nation would would crap a you know what. Yeah, I can definitely see the Raiders taking Will Levis. I see I see Will Levis as more of a Josh McDaniels guy than Anthony Richardson. But if it was me making the pick, if I'm going with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson and, and Brent Slobuski wrote a piece about this, mm-hmm. I'm trying to take the player with the most upside. upside. And I think no. Anthony Richardson has more upside than Will Levis. I would agree. He's an amazing athlete and and really just at the beginning of kind of growing into himself. So totally get that. All right, my man. Well, I appreciate you as always, and we're going to jump out of here, and then we will see you back on Thursday with Baldy. Also, really quick, if you're listening to this in the morning, tune in with me on the Bleach Report app. I'm doing a live mock draft for the, just the first round, and I actually have the Raiders pick at 7, so if you ah, guys like the pick, you can vote for Tuesday, me. That's today, Tuesday, right? That's today, Tuesday. You guys Great. can vote for me as as the best drafter, because there are going to be uh, four <laughs> of the people drafting for teams. I'm drafting for the Texans, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Steelers. So oh. if you like the Raiders pick, please vote for me as the best drafter on that Bleach Report app on draft day. It's not today. Anthony Richardson, is it? 
<laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no, it might surprise you. Oh, I love it. All right. So, so you <laughs> will have listened most likely to this show in the morning and then you can tune in or early morning and then you can tune in to the live uh, mock draft with the Bleacher That's Report guys at what time? That's noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Good. There. So you can listen to them back to back. There you yes. go. Either way, it's good. On the way on the way to work and when you get to work, perfect. I look forward to it. All right, Mo, I will see you on Thursday, man. Sounds good. All right. For everybody here at Silver and Black today, including our producer, David Stepanian, my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get it. And we will see you Thursday with Brian Baldinger. Baldy will be back. We're going to dive deep with him on the draft. He's going to give us his gut feel for what the Raiders are going to do uh, on day one and beyond. And we'll also get his thoughts on some other players and some other possibilities in the draft next week. So we appreciate you guys being with us here on Silver and Black today. For everybody here, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Bye-bye.